From Content360, this is the state of client acquisition. Welcome to the state of client acquisition. This is your host, Michael Bohannes. In today's episode, I'm joined by Arthur Hoffman, a LinkedIn outbound prospecting expert from Arizona, who, when he connected with me, raised my curiosity with his connection message. And uh, we'll talk about that. And we talk about how he avoids getting put into LinkedIn jail. So we're going to be talking a lot about outbound today, especially how we can make it super efficient by optimizing our approach depending on the type of person we speak to. That sounds a little bit abstract now, but once you get it, you will stop wasting time with people who are not a good fit and you will stop getting bummed out and frustrated when you get negative responses. And then we also cover the value of content and a particularly interesting experiment that I've run with a popular video of mine that I had posted one and a half years ago and I've reposted it now a couple of days ago again. So there's a lot of interesting insights to be found there, hopefully. Good. And with that, I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get right into it. So today I'm very excited to be joined by Arthur Hoffman, who is the founder of InLink Advisors. Arthur, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you today? Awesome. Very good to have you. So Arthur, you and I met on LinkedIn and I was very intrigued by the message with which you approached me. And that was, I'm going to just quickly read it out. Michael, given our similar job descriptions and industry backgrounds, I'm curious if we should connect and see how we can help one another when it comes to our clientele. If now is not a good time to connect, please hit ignore and I can check in some other time. Talk soon, Arthur. Yep. And so then as we were talking, you mentioned that this sentence helps you stay out of LinkedIn jail. And so I was really intrigued by that. And I wonder why that is. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So as people come to find out on LinkedIn, when you start using it as a prospecting source, uh, there's a lot of times that if you don't spend the time initially to really define your target market that you're trying to connect to, or if you're not connecting to people that you have a good connection with, then people tend to hit, uh, they just hit, you know, just, uh, they, I, I don't want to connect with you. And then a lot of them will put, I do not know this person. So what we found throughout the years on the marketing side of things is that if the more people that say, I do not know this person, the more LinkedIn keeps track of that. And if you get too many people that start hitting that, that function or that button that says, I do not know this person, now all of a sudden you're, you're looked at as a spammer and you're looked at uh, negatively by LinkedIn. And that's what gets you thrown into LinkedIn jail at times. So we found that by trying to precondition someone to hit the ignore button rather than hit the I do not know this person button, it tends to keep you out of LinkedIn jail a little better because hmm. you're, not, you're, you're, not, you're not necessarily finding that people are um, you know, just basically hitting that, 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 dis, that, that uh, natural tendency of, I don't know this person, we have no connections, whatever the case might be. Again, I think a lot of people find themselves in trouble because they don't spend the time to actually connect with people that they have a solid connection with. But this too is something that people will, even if you do have a connection with them, they'll still find the, the opportunity to say, nope, I don't know this person. And they'll click that button. So the more that you get of those, the, the more negatively it's looked on by LinkedIn. And you want to try to avoid that as much as possible. Yeah, that's interesting, but I do remember distinctly because I just hit ignore on somebody today. I see the I don't know this person only after I hit ignore. Correct. Right. And so it's I can either accept or ignore. And when I hit once I hit ignore, I can then on top tell LinkedIn Correct. I don't know this person. So are you saying 
Yeah. So are you saying that by that by uh, preconditioning them to hit the ignore button, you are sort of priming them to only hit the ignore button and not anything that comes after? Exactly. Exactly. Got it. Yeah, because uh, you don't want them taking that extra step. People's attention spans on LinkedIn are very small and they're very short. And if you can just tell them, look, all you got to do is hit ignore and they fall and they go, oh, I just have to hit ignore. Great. And they hit ignore and they go on to the next thing. Then great. You don't want them to hit that ignore button. And then I do not know this person because the more people that hit that, I do not know this person. That's what gets you you know, thrown into LinkedIn jail, so to speak. That is so interesting. And I wonder what the psychology there is, is that you are by, by saying, and I'm going to read out that sentence again. I found it so interesting. If now is not a good time to connect, please hit ignore and I can check in some other time. And that means that you are sort of giving them a nice way out, you are acknowledging somehow that yep. you are not a known entity to that person and Correct. therefore kind of get this little shot of humility from you. Right? So you declare yep. a certain level of humility and that's how they will then not want to punish you, so to speak, right? Yeah, Much the, more so than if you, for example, said, please hit, hit ignore, but don't say I don't know this person or something like correct. that overtly. Well, and the, and you're, the, the second part of that sentence too has a lot of psychology behind it as well. Um, people want to be friends with other people, right? And they want the opportunity to possibly explore that friendship at another time. Mm-hmm. So that's why I put that second part in there as well, where it's saying, look, if now's not a good time, just hit ignore and I'll reach back out some other time. And they, they go, yeah, that's, that's great. I, you can try me another time. That's, that's not a problem. Versus them just, again, just hitting, I don't know this person. And you know, now all of a sudden, they'll never have the opportunity to get to know me again. Hmm. That, so there's that fear of missing out, if you will. So I'm, I'm just telling them, look, I'll, I'll check in another time. That's fine. It's not a big deal on my, on my part. Um, but don't miss the opportunity to have me check in another time by hitting, I don't know this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. That's really interesting. Okay. So have you tested this against same messages without that second sentence or? Yeah. So we've tried, we, I have a a whole laundry list of different variations uh, for the clients that we have that um, we can use. And some of them just say, if now's not a good time, hit ignore. No, no further sentence. Mm -hmm. Uh, If now's not a good time, hit ignore. And um, you know, maybe we can connect some other time. We've got different variations of the whole thing, but we have found that if you leave that sentence out of there altogether, um, I've seen at least through the 300 plus clients I've done this process with over the last year or so now, uh, I do tend to see people get thrown into LinkedIn jail more frequently because you're not preconditioning the person, as you said before, to understand that, hey, maybe we're not directly connected, but we do have some common connections, okay? Because we, we do. And that's tip. If you're doing it the right way, you're trying to find that common, what I call relatability factor between you and that person. And if you're able to show them, look, we've got some common connections. They may not be as close as you want them to be at this point, but I'd love the opportunity to get closer to you. That's kind of the psychology behind it. You're trying Mm -hmm. to get them to just stay on that hook a little longer and, or just say, Hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm okay with connecting with you. Let's go ahead and do that. And then let's see where it goes from there. Awesome. Cool. So more generally, you're an expert on outbound prospecting on LinkedIn. You've created the cold click method. Can you share what that is? Yeah. So if anybody has ever had to in their lifetime cold call as a profession or as a career or as part of your profession or career, um, it's miserable. 
it's a terrible process, but uh, unfortunately, when I got into the business, it was a necessity. And this was 20 plus years ago when I started off as a financial advisor. And people were able to, you know, you were able to sit down at night, you'd have 300 plus names or numbers that you could call, and you would just start dialing, right? And we all got those phone calls. We still get them now through the spam, you know, spam calls, if you will. But what do we all do with it? And what, and what kind of programs are out there nowadays? Everybody's got programs that stop that from happening. So when you're talking about LinkedIn, it's the same process. You've got a, a group of people, right, that you've targeted and you're trying to reach out to them. So you're clicking them by inviting them to connect. You're cold clicking them and saying, hey, let's connect. So that's where I came up with the whole phrase of cold click. Mm -hmm. And it's the same process, though. You have a group of people that you've said, hey, these particular people are in a, a targeted group, company or organization that I want to have more exposure to. So let's start inviting some of those folks to connect with me so I can see if there's an opportunity for me to, to work with them. I used to do this with companies as a financial advisor because I knew that the employees of those companies had certain benefit packages and things like that that we could help them with. So I wanted to introduce myself that way. And that's what's great about LinkedIn. So you, you don't have to just blanket dial a neighborhood or canvas a neighborhood through cold click or cold walking or cold calling now. You can say, hey, I want to talk to these people at this level with this experience, with all the other demographics graphic information that LinkedIn gives us. And now all of a sudden you've got this very targeted group of people. However, because you don't have a direct line for them, LinkedIn gives you the opportunity to connect to them first, and then you can gather some information off their profile if they choose to connect from there, or you could just start reaching out through the direct messaging system. The direct messaging system is great, and that's where the whole process is designed to be run because it avoids spam. It avoids all the filters that are out there nowadays for things like emails and phone calls and things of that nature. Uh, and a lot of times too, if you do happen to get email addresses or phone numbers, you're getting those people's personal email addresses or personal phone numbers off of LinkedIn because they put them on there for whatever job hunting purpose they might've you know, wanted to use that kind of stuff. I'm not as brazen. I have people that are pretty aggressive and they'll go on there and grab those phone numbers and call and you know, cold call those people uh, directly with those numbers once they've gotten them to connect. But uh, I'd still like to try to give people the opportunity to get to know me as a person. So similar to the message that I sent you that said, hey, let's figure out a way if there's a way, for, you know, if we can collaborate in order for you to ever do business with someone, you have to be able to trust them and you have to be able to find a need to be able to work with them, right? Mm -hmm. So in this particular case, I try to get that out there right off the get-go that says, hey, if you think that you and I can work together based off of our commonalities here on LinkedIn, then let's explore that a little more and see if we can help one another. There's plenty of business to go around, so to speak. Cool. And that's the idea behind it. But the cold click process, again, 100% designed to be used the direct messaging system on LinkedIn to get you connected with people, to start those conversations and create engagements. And then ongoing from there, there's a whole nother funnel process in the background that we use to make sure that people that have chosen to connect with you, you get to stay in front of as time goes on. Got it. And can you share, do you have any stats? Like, for example, what kind of connection rate do you get? Yep. Do you get your clients? What is what, what are some of the stats that you get? Yeah. So the connection side of things, we, we shoot for about a 20 to 30% connection rate and we average right within that range, depending on the client, this product or service they're trying to connect with and sell so on and so forth. But our goal is to always stay between 20 and 30%. We found that if you're lower than that, that's where LinkedIn tends to restrict uh, your level of activity on a week to week basis, because you're not connecting with the right people that, you, that they're looking for within their algorithms. And then, um, you know, obviously the, the more, the merrier, the more people you can connect with and the 
higher that effective uh, connection rate is great, but it tends to you know balance out somewhere between the 20 to 30% range, just on the new connection side of things. Mm -hmm. When you add on now that somebody's connected with you and you've got the proper messaging going out to them after they've chosen to connect, which is not salesy. It is collaborative. It is B2B. It is let's talk about you and you can tell me about you and I'll tell you about me. That's when you, what we call response rates at that point. Our response rates are about 15% to 20% on the front, on the very first message. Mm -hmm. Now that doesn't mean everybody's saying yes. They're saying yes. They're saying no. They're saying maybe, but guess what? That's 15 to 20% of the people that are picking up that phone when you dial that phone number and then saying hello. Mm -hmm. And that's where a conversation gets started. You have to have that connection happen. Cool. Excellent. And uh, what you mentioned LinkedIn jail as one of the things to avoid. And you mentioned that the, um, I don't know this person, if somebody hits that, that this is likely to going to get you into LinkedIn jail. Yes. Is there anything else that you know of that you try to avoid uh, yes. Happening. Well, yeah. Tell yeah. Me. Lots of things. Um, if people haven't figured it out yet, back in the middle of the pandemic, LinkedIn changed all their algorithms and tightened them all up. It used to be that you could have about four to 500 activities a day within your profile. What that simply means is that if you go visit somebody, that's an activity. You go look up a, a search, that's an activity. You send a message, that's an activity, so on and so forth then what we were finding before the pandemic was that you could do about four to 500 activities a day. So you could go through and use some of these automation systems and send messages to your current connections that say, Hey, we've been connected for a while. We'd love to collaborate some more, so on and so forth. Middle of the pandemic, I think it was about August of last year, August, uh, September of last year, those numbers came down dramatically. And what we're finding is that you have about 250 to 300 activities a day now that you can do. And if you do too much activity, LinkedIn's not necessarily going to tell you, hey, you're being too active. They do that with your searches if you're in some of the basic functions. And they say, hey, you're a power searcher, right? They're trying to promote you. They're trying to upsell you. Get into our premium package so you can do some more searching. But they're not going to tell you that you're doing too much activity daily. What they do say is that, um, okay, if you want to send that message or to connect with somebody, you better make sure that you've got an email address to go along with it and so on and so forth. They also don't want you sending out too many you know, new connection requests daily. They used to be you could get about 150 of those out. Now we're finding the numbers closer to 100. And that depends on your overall level of activity. And it depends on um, your average level of activity over a period of time. And a lot of people don't keep track of that. Um, and again, let me start with the new connection side of things. If you're doing 100 connection requests a day and you do that seven days a week, that's 700 people you've sent messages out to in one week, right? Yep. to try to get them to connect with you. Well, <clears throat> what we're finding is that most people are unaware of the fact that LinkedIn keeps track of outstanding invitation requests mm. or connection requests. Yep. And if you're not in there regularly trying to clean those up and get rid of the old ones, that goes against you as well. Okay. So you could have thousands of outstanding connection requests out there and LinkedIn looks at it and says, hey, if you've got a connection request out there to Joe Schmo from six months ago, and he has chosen not to connect yet, one of two things is, is the key here. Either you don't have a solid enough connection with that person to drive that relationship and to you know, promote him to connect with you, or you're out there just trying to you know, get anybody you can to connect with you, and that's not what we want. So they you, you have to be make sure that you're in there cleaning up those sent, you know, connection requests monthly, if not bi-weekly, mm -hmm. and you have to make sure that you're not having too much activity on a day-to-day -day basis. Got it. Okay, great. So too many activities and the outstanding 
outstanding invite uh, request yeah. that you need to clear out. Okay, good. Definitely. Excellent. Uh, do you have any other, anything that you have learned over the years that you can easily share with our audience? Any kind of magic bullet as far as outbound prospecting is concerned? Yeah, um, I will tell, I tell everybody all the time, if you cannot find a way to relate to somebody, uh, then it's not going to matter what you're trying to talk to them about or prospect them for. Uh, it, it, your message could be, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give you X percent of rate of return. I'm going to double this. I'm going to do that. And it's not going to matter if you can't, if you can't make yourself a real person on the other end of that message, then it's going to fall on deaf ears. The other thing that I've noticed uh, over the last couple of years of really coaching people on this process is that if your message is longer than about 30 seconds for somebody to read, they're not going to read it. So you have to make sure that you've got clear, concise messages, one, two, maybe three bullet points, and that's it. Uh, really, the whole purpose is to not have your prospecting engagement or your back and forth on the LinkedIn platform. It's to take it off of that platform to where you can have a meeting like this, where you're having a Zoom call and you're getting to know each other and you can really you know, start to do that volleying back and forth of what the relationship should look like going forward. So don't make your messages too long. Make sure that you find relatability and just be a real person. That's what it comes down to. Excellent. Good. And final question I had for you is that I noticed that you are not very active in on LinkedIn as far as content is concerned. Is it something that you have uh, thought about, rejected, or what's your philosophy around content? I think content is, is necessary. Um, I also think that it can be excessive. Uh, and I don't think LinkedIn is the platform to put, you know, excessive content out on. Uh, the, what I coach people to do is you should be doing three to five posts a month. And those posts should be relevant to your business, your service that you're offering. And if they're personal, which I think they should be personal to some extent as well, they should be personal yet business related. So an example of that might be take your kid to work day. Okay. Maybe you post a picture with some content that say, Hey, it's today's national take a kid to work day. Here's my son. He's with me here at the office. Hope you guys had an opportunity to you know, enjoy this day with your, with your family as well. Something like that, but it's got to still be personal and it makes you a real life person. I think, you know, LinkedIn is a, is one of those things where any platform for that matter, I believe Facebook's the same way that if you have a number of connections, you're never going to scroll through your entire feed every single day and see what everybody posted and what everybody did. I think what's more relevant is to post good quality content on a regular basis that is, you know, repeatable and reliable, but then to stay engaged on a more personal level with those people that you're involved with. And that's what the, my cold click process does. There's never a period of time where somebody's connected with you that you don't have and or send them a message that's older than 90 days. So your last communication with them was 90 days ago. You'll reach out to them again within the next three months and send them something personally through that DM system. That is more powerful than, you know, posting content that's trying to get people to talk about and, you know, maybe has political nature or whatever the case might be. And again, LinkedIn is more of a B2B platform. I believe there's certain things you shouldn't talk about on there. And I believe there's certain things that are highly appropriate. So, uh, and you, you see that quite often in the comment lines, if you ever find something that raises people's attention or starts to get a lot of action. Have you ever written the phrase, Hey, this is not Facebook. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, okay, think, so I think anybody that understands what LinkedIn's purpose is, is that it is not Facebook. This isn't the place where you post, um, 
you know, what you ate yesterday for lunch or the meal planning that you're doing, unless that's part of your business. If you're a, tr- a, fit- a fitness trainer and you're trying to show how meal planning is a big deal and you're on, fa- or you're on LinkedIn, great. Post something about meal planning and the process behind it and why you should do it and the importance of it. Cause that's relevant to who you are, mm-hmm. but saying, you know, Hey, this is my, uh, I, I went to this political rally and I did this. That's that usually is not a good thing to post on the, on the LinkedIn side of things. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Well, we have quite different philosophies on, on, on all of this. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the so-called vulnerable content where people are excessively oversharing their personal emotional struggles. So I'm yep. with you on that one. Uh, what I do see, however, is that uh, I very often cite uh, Shay Rowbottom as being a great example of somebody who is effectively B2B. She works with people. She's a video coach and yep. she has definitely cracked uh, LinkedIn content with like video views of like in the hundreds of thousands. That is, and that's, that is something that's, uh, and I agree with you there. I think that you have to have the right content going out and the video views seem to be what's, uh, what attracts people. But again, I think that's human nature of um, the, the myopic, the, (laughs) the myopic nature of humans where they can only see so far. And if you can sum it up in a, in a short video or an explainer video or things like that, people love that kind of stuff. They eat Mm -hmm. it up on LinkedIn. So the right content is, is key for sure. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, before we get into the other topics that I have for today, did you have any questions for me? No, I mean, tell me, tell me your experience. I mean, obviously, you've got you know your podcast going on here. Tell me a little bit about your experience using LinkedIn to either get the word out about what it is that you do, uh, because I have I have people all the time that talk to me about the effect, the effectiveness of podcasting and advertising for that, if you will, through even the LinkedIn process and even the process that I help them with. You know, is that something that I should be doing? And you know, there obviously people want to get attention on what it whatever it is they're bringing to the table, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I'd love to hear your perspective as to, you know, the, the efficiencies around what you do to, you know, draw people to your, your podcast or even to what you do as, as an overall profession, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. So to cover the podcast first, the podcast is very new. This is episode seven. So I don't yes. have enough data yet to, to show anything on this. What I mainly do the podcast for is number one market research because I do get questions from people to cover on the podcast. So I know what my audience is thinking about. And the second thing is I use the content because it is recorded and I record myself in it. Then I use these clips as video content for LinkedIn. So I got it used to produce content uh, before where I just speak into the camera and make my point. Now I'm just essentially batching it by choosing the right topics for the podcast and then recording myself and then using those one, two, three minute snippets. So that is what the podcast is mainly useful for. And over time, as it will grow, hopefully as the audience will grow, I hope that it will become its own client or well, client acquisition tool it's uh, I, I don't really see it that way and so here's my and i'm going into the second topics overall philosophy here it's that the entire selling that should happen on linkedin is in your profile your yeah. profile in how you sell yourself how you present your offer and your content should be minimally selling. I'm a little bit torn on whether it should be selling at all. Like for example, once every two weeks that you put something a little bit more pitchy out there, but generally I'm of the philosophy that you should add as much value in your content while also building your personal brand, being a personable, you know, approachable person and essentially just people liking and enjoying your content. And 
with that, and I'm going to be talking about another aspect of content, even if you're not getting inbound leads, the content is doing the selling for you. So we'll cover that. But that's generally my philosophy in that the only selling that should be happening is in two instances. One is a profile. And then the second one is once you have somebody on one-to-one messaging and they have identified themselves as having a problem that you may be able to solve, then Absolutely. you offer them a call, but only Absolutely. then. But yeah. only then. And I think- And, that, and, and I've, I've found that as well, even through the messaging that we're doing for, for people, those, uh, those people that tend to be more aggressive, um, the, even our process is not highly effective for them. A lot of the messaging goes ignored. Uh, and you know, the more people that are using LinkedIn to try to introduce themselves and to sell, unfortunately, that those messages get deleted right away is what we're finding. Uh, and then, you know, what we're also finding is that uh, you, not only is the message getting deleted, but uh, the connection is getting deleted. The connection rates are actually starting to, mm-hmm. to drop off because you know, people are starting to realize, oh, this, they, the minute they get a, a message back that is a sales pitch, they're just like, oh, that's all this person's doing. And they'll never talk to them again. They may yep. stay connected, but they're never going to say anything back. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I, I agree with yeah. you there. I think that's, cool. that's a great philosophy. Great. Okay. So let us cover a couple of other topics that I had for this, uh, for this episode. The first point, uh, before we go there, actually, Arthur, can you share with us where can people find you and especially what kind of clients you serve? I'd be curious about that. You got it. You can you can find us at uh, on the internet at at inlinkadvisors.com. So it's S O R S at the end. So it's inlinkadvisors.com, and uh, we're right there on the internet. There's all kinds of fun data that you can get on there if you want to schedule a call with us to just figure out more what we can help you out with. Great, but all of our information in terms of what we do, our process. We've got a uh, pre-recorded uh, webinar that's on there for you as well. It's only about 13 minutes, walks you through it step-by-step what we do and why we do it. Uh, it's kind of nice, but I, I, I'm a firm believer and I give a lot of information away only because I didn't reinvent the wheel. I just figured out a very efficient process and how to use it. And that's all we try to do. Is, and for people that don't want to go out and create and develop their own process, we can help them with that. So that's kind of uh, you know where that comes in. Uh, we're not here to tell you that we found the golden, you know, the golden arrow that's going to kill every single prospect that you want and bring in all the business that you're looking for. Uh, it's still a process that you have to work. And I tell people that all the time. So the people that we're looking for in terms of clientele are people that have, uh, have or need a presence on something like LinkedIn. They're looking to sell a product service or some sort of uh, consulting type of practice. And they need an opportunity to start conversations with people. I always emphasize it's a starting a conversation type of thing. This isn't going to be, hey, I have this. Do you want to buy? Yes or no because that's not effective. It's not effective in any marketplace. I don't even care if it's on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Um, What is it? What it is about though, is it's about, I have something that I need to get to this very specific target demographic. How do I do that? Well, we use the demographic system on LinkedIn, either sales navigator, or just even the basic functions. And we get you to that target demographic. And then really what it comes down to is I need to now start having conversations with these people building relationships with them, eventually converting them to clients if there's a proper fit that's there. And that's what the process is designed to do. So that's the clientele we're looking for. And again, it's repeatable to an individual, but it's also repeatable on a company level if necessary. Got it. Okay, cool. Well, thank you. So let's move on to the next topic, which is I wanted to cover the question, what is the most efficient approach in organic outbound prospecting. So how can we we maximize the time we have available? I'd love to get your perspective on this. 
Arthur, uh, once I'm done with this. So I kept reflecting recently on what a client told me about him having this missionary zeal, so to speak. He is all about, he has one specific method that he has, and he's very passionate about it. And he wants to evangelize his audience and change their minds. And that reminded me that trying to change people's minds via one-on-one messaging is probably a very bad use of time. Yes. And since we started working together, he changed his approach here. And he now, instead of wanting to change people's minds, is now trying to put himself out there, polarize his audience, and then approach only those who are already aligned with his views. And I think that's a much more time efficient method. But there's actually more to it, because, of course, by polarizing people with our content, we will over time attract those who really wholeheartedly agree with us and who also have a need and are ready and able to invest. Correct. Guess what? Guess what? That's a very small percentage of our overall target market. And if you want to get clients organically, i.e. without spending on ads, it's going to be a lot of work to, to filter them out of the entire market. Correct. The problem is most people who try to get clients on LinkedIn and who don't do outbound. And that's, I see a lot of my competitors who are really focusing on the content side of things. So they're all about the inbound. They rely or they get clients who then subsequently rely on that tiny, tiny sliver of the market who are ready to buy. And I call them hot prospects. And it's great when they come, but it's simply not enough. So once this is clear, let me tell you a different story. Because about two weeks ago, I started a conversation with a gentleman named Josh, and it was classic outbound prospecting like I do 10 daily. And uh, Josh was very straight with me. He said, listen, what do you want? Uh, My time is valuable, so is yours. What do you want? So I was very straightforward. I told him what I wanted and what what I could help him with. And then he said, sure, let's go on a call. We jumped on a call and... It was a pretty intense call. He questioned quite a lot of things. And then in the end, he signed up. So he's definitely not in that hot prospect group. I couldn't find him via content. I had to find him via outbound. But he was open to have the conversation. But then I still had to talk quite a good game and persuade him that we would be a good match. And he was... So he was definitely not one of those shoe-ins. So that's a very different kind of prospect. What do we do with this? What kind of prospects are out there and what is their respective share in the overall market? Because it's, it's clear that we have to treat these people very, very differently. We don't want to waste our time with the naysayers. We don't want to waste our time with you know, the indifferent ones. And at the same time, we do want to give the friendly ones our full attention. And into that goes a lot of psychology because prospecting is an emotional roller coaster. We cannot be beholden to our emotions. Correct. We have to do the work no matter what, no matter if we've had a few good conversations or, or bad ones. So to do this, it's good to get a lay of the land. What kind of numbers are we looking for? When we sit down on Monday morning and look over the vast landscape that is our market and we start prospecting, what kind of people will we meet? Yep. So I've classified them into six groups and given them percentages of how likely you'll find one of each group. And those are not just fancy figures. That's pretty much based on about 3,000 conversations that I have conducted in the last year and a half. So what is the breakdown? I wanted to share a quick uh, presentation here. If, for those of you who are only listening, it's not a big deal. I'm going to quickly narrate around it. But it's uh, essentially just imagine that you have a, a um, by the way, can you see the screen, Arthur? Yes, I can. Yeah, good. So if you imagine you have a, 
like a big long strip of of cloth so to speak and yep. a, at the very end at the very extreme end on the left you have a tiny tiny sliver and that is the and i think it's about 0.1% those are the shoe ins those are the really easy cells perfect fits completely unproblematic client they're good to work with and they come from inbound network and referrals right so and this is what most solopreneurs rely on 100% it's correct the mainstay of inbound right and it's just very unpredictable very few and far in between but once you hit it big with content yes then it's going to be enough for you to to keep the business going and then the next sliver so just imagine it's like a um yeah it's like a big giant salami and then you're just cutting off slices of it the next one percent slice is i call it the bedrock and that's what anyone can access by implementing a good system, daily practice, constant improvement, good mindset and discipline. And that's, by the way, the heart of the Alpha Lead Academy of my program of, of what we do. And so this slice is where Josh was to be found, right? He okay. was part of that group of it's absolutely acquirable, but you have to be good. You have to be good in prospecting. You have to be good on a sales call. It's not an automatic sell. Correct. And then the 4% is the cream on top. It is those people who open up once you have a really firm grasp on the bedrock, they come from new referrals, testimonials, success stories. I hope also that they will come, for example, from the podcast at some point. Once you get a real, like say content notoriety and fame, improved sales skills and so on, the and especially the ability to sell the dream really well that will come from having had great clients for example who give you glowing testimonials so right. that's on the positive side those are like the three chunks on the left 0.1 percent the shoe-ins one percent the bedrock four percent the cream on top now let's look at the bulk of the market that is that gray big bar in the middle which is i call it the ocean of indifference and at its shores, the ocean contains interested people. You will get probably, if you start 100 conversations, you'll probably get about 10 calls, right? But ultimately, the problem that you solve is not urgent enough for them. So on the, sh on the leftmost shore of the ocean of indifference, you will still get people on a call, but they then ultimately will tell you things like, oh, I need to think about it. Oh, this is not urgent enough and so on. Correct. Right. So this contains the vast majority of your audience. Generally, the giant ocean of indifference, it contains the vast majority of your audience and many future clients. And so those, I would surmise that you nurture and cherish them, but only on mass. Right. Correct. So that you give them good content, give them, you know, on a regular basis, share videos, share good content, but only do it in bulk. Don't try to. And this is what my former client, not former, he's still client, but the one I mentioned before, made the mistake with, he was trying to evangelize the ocean of indifference. Correct. That is so wrong. That is a real, real massive time sink for most people who are doing, who have like a missionary zeal and are trying to achieve something. They want to make a change in the world. They're spending way too much time trying to convince people in the ocean of indifference. Correct. Okay. And then on the right-hand side, there are the, the hostile groups, there's, num there's I would give it 4%. I call them the opposition. Those are people who would never invest in what you have to offer, not even if they experienced it as a problem. They're very vocal and they very often give you quite harsh feedback and they make you question everything. Correct. Stabilize your confidence. So their impact on you can be quite significant, much bigger than their numbers would suggest. If you have one of those every three days, 
it can really, if you're not experienced and if you are not, if you don't have enough of a thick skin, that can really destabilize you for a couple of hours. And you think, oh, Jesus, and I'm, yep. you start feeling sorry for yourself, right? So I strongly suggest that you avoid interacting with them. As soon as you get some kind of low level of hostility, then just stop engaging, say, thank you for your time and leave, leave the Correct. conversation. There's no value in you continuing that conversation. And then there's the most extreme group of those. It's the 1% of the haters. They, they basically are the people who make you have a bad day, you know, so again, yeah. avoid engaging at all costs. And I just wanted to show this is a, an example of a hater uh, that I had a couple of weeks ago where he just told me, I don't connect with anyone who references leads, guaranteed sign of a spammer. And I made that mistake, but to be fair, I was not, I'm not phased by this anymore. So I was just having a little bit of fun here. He, I asked him, wait, so every lead generation expert is a scammer and a fraudster. There are no legit honorable members of this profession. And he said, no, goodbye. <laughs> so this is not even the most extreme example of a hater. I've had one of, um, actually Max mentioned this uh, the other day. He was on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago and he showed me how someone was constantly putting down every piece of his content. So he was always trolling it's, him in the comment section it's so interesting that you say that because i had i had an experience this morning that as you were sitting here talking about this and i had connected with someone about a week or so ago and uh, we had gone back and forth via some messaging and then just out of the blue last night i get a message from them on linkedin that says hey i went and looked at your website and there's all these things you need to change I was so confused. I couldn't figure anything out. Everything was this, everything was that, blah, blah, blah. You, you really need to get all this stuff taken care of. And, you know, I'm the expert in this. So, you know, we should, we should talk. And I went, that's not a way to sell me on using your services by coming in and blowing up everything that I've been doing at this point. There's got to be a more, a more tactful way to do it is I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, that, that I would classify that person as falling into this category for sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so, the art of organic prospecting is to treat these six groups in a very different way. And here's how. Number one, make the shoe-ins declare themselves easily, right? Just make them start a conversation in a friendly way. Make them aware of what you do. They will declare themselves. Just avoid being too salesy and keep it very, very friendly. Number two, uncover the bedrock. Number three, you gradually over time will access the cream on top. You will then also end conversations with those in the ocean of indifference, end them fast, but do it gracefully and on a positive note. Don't let them end the conversation. I always suggest that you say always something nice at the end. Correct. And most importantly, ignore the opposition and haters. And that is really difficult sometimes, especially for beginners. Again, I'm going to emphasize that. Stop those conversations instantly. Get out. And if they are too unfriendly, simply de de like block them. You know, there's yeah. nothing. If they are flaming at you, there's no reason to not block them. And this is also what I told Max. I suggested to him, just block that dude. There's no yeah. point in even continuing a conversation on any level. It's funny because there's a, it goes back to what I was talking about before, where people are very hesitant to, to you know, end those conversations and even more hesitant to end the relationship with that person because they feel some sort of, you know, a, a, like 
they they feel that they have to stay connected to them, even if this person is you know berating them within the messaging or whatever the case might be. No, that's what a disconnect button is for. Okay, okay. you know, yep. get get that person off of there, block them if you if it makes you feel better, and absolutely just get rid of that that negativity because you don't need it. Exactly. Cool. So, and that is why I say that prospecting is not about selling, convincing, cajoling. It's about finding the truth. You want your first messages with somebody on prospecting to be all about finding the truth, who they are. Are they a shoo-in? Are they bedrock? Are they a cream on top? Are they the ocean of indifference? Are they an opposition? That's That's your goal. You don't want to sell. You want to find the truth. So find out which group that person belongs to. And as a, as a final aside here, the problem with this type of message, and it would be good to get your take on this, Arthur, is that this kind of message which somebody sent me recently says, hey, Michael, I'm excited to have you in my network, provide value for you here on LinkedIn. I help businesses find the right messages to generate more leads and sales, anything I can help you with. And my thoughts on this word that, It makes all of the cream and almost all of the bedrock say no, leaving only the shoe-ins. And that's too many false negatives. If you immediately in your first message say what you do and you make it very clear that you want their business, you are chasing away the cream and the bedrock. I think I would have chased away Josh with such a message, possibly. He was very straightforward, so maybe not. But I, I, would, I would be very wary of sending even like a hint at what you do in your first message. Because people, if you have a good subject line, they know anyway what you do. It's pretty clear right. what you do. So you don't need to say that. So, But of course, you can then make up for it via volume. If you just pitch slap the hell out of people, if you just spam the hell out of people, yeah, sure, there will be a couple, you know, you will catch right. the you will catch the shoe ins then, but it's only going to be one in a thousand. So Arthur, what do you yeah, think? Yeah. And if, and let's like go that. back to the, let's go back to the numbers on that. If it's one in a thousand and you can only send a hundred new connection messages a day, guess what? It's going to be every 10 days that you might have a shoe in that comes across. And if that's all the number you're looking for, then so be it. But I think a lot of, a lot, a lot of people want to see more than just one every 10 days uh, in terms of somebody actually being interested in what they have to offer. Exactly. Good. Excellent. So we're very much aligned on that. Good. Okay. So that was the, that was the main point I wanted to make today besides uh, your interesting points, Arthur. The, the second point I wanted to cover today is a really interesting evolution of LinkedIn over the last one and a half years with my main message to you being to make the most of an increasingly shrinking opportunity. What do I mean by that? Basically, you need to get in on the action fast. And maybe I can uh, convince you, Arthur, who's a relative content skeptic in this regard, I think posting two to three times a month in my book, that would be much, very, like, not not enough. Uh, and, And here's why. So the following thing, I had about one and a half years ago, one of my more successful videos it was, I called it uh, LinkedIn Douchebag University, how you can, uh, like six steps to become a really annoying person on LinkedIn, something like that. Sure, sure. And it was quite, uh, it, it was quite successful at the time. It had overall some 5,500 views, 140 likes and 66 comments. And I was, I was making a point. I was still adding value to my audience because they all know this because it is kind of in my domain, but I was also making fun of it and it was, it was quite irreverent sure. the way I did it. And so what I did recently, I just reposted that video. 
I thought I had a bunch of new connections. I, I just want to see how the video does. And so a couple of days ago, I posted it again. And here are the numbers. I got 752 views, 28 likes, and uh, 24 comments. And so you can see, uh, one and a half years ago, it had 5,500 views. Now we got 750 views. That, of course, is a huge, huge drop. And also, you have yep. to consider that my network size in that time has doubled from about 4K to now over 8K. And also, my social selling index has definitely proved in that time. I don't know by how much. So my conclusions from this are, first of all, on a personal note, is that it's really good that the like to view ratio has improved by 2x, right? Uh, so yep. I have 5,500 views, 140 likes. Now I had 750 views, 28 likes. That signals to me, and the comment to view ratio is even better. Sure. So that signals to me that my audience is now more engaged. How, based on how many people are liking, the ratio is so much better. It means that it's much more concentrated and the people who are seeing this are then more likely to actually really like that content. So that's one thing. But the bigger point is the organic reach on LinkedIn is really dramatically going down to the tune of, if you really add up all those numbers, of about 94%. So that's, that is what that drop is. And of course, caveat, this is not scientific. It's just one data point. I would not want to hang the, my entire kind of content philosophy on that, but it is very indicative. That said, I'm still getting inbound leads from my clients. Today, I actually closed the most recent one who purely got to me because of my content. So it absolutely still works. And I really recommend that you get in on the action now while we still have a few years left of this content land grab and that you build your brand. And don't yeah. worry, even beyond that, just last point, even yep. beyond that, once the market is really so saturated like Facebook is like right now, don't despair because you may just need to possibly pay up a bit. So your client acquisition cost will rise. Yes, they will, but it will still be possible. And the content quality will still matter. You, let's say, will have to boost it with, $10, $20, $30. But then once you do this, other people will be doing the same and you will still have to compete on quality. So Correct. I, I very much would still recommend that people get in on the content action. So Arthur, what are your thoughts on that? So I, I'm, I'm going to go back and, and I'm going to you know, eat some of my words. I believe that content is, is necessary. And I also believe that it's relevant. Uh, I come from an industry that was highly regulated. So the amount of information that you could put out there or the, or the, the, the self-generated information that you could post out there was, was super constricted and very much not, not um, accessible to the everyday person. So as a financial advisor, if you want to post something nowadays, it's got to go through three levels of com compliance before it could ever hit your feed kind of thing. Mm. There's a lot of different, you know, things that are out there now. Now I will tell you that at, you know, just doing what I'm doing now, consulting on the, on this online digital marketing side of things. Yes. Content is, it is key. It's also, it, it also has to be relatable to the target market that you're going after. And, you know, that's, that's what you're trying to figure out is who that target market is. Uh, and that's the biggest thing. But again, um, the things that we've, we've noticed, and you, you're kind of showing this through those numbers is that, you know, people are starting to see that, the, the feeds are getting longer, right? Because of the number of connections that you have or because yep. of the, the exposure that you have, everything else. So if, you, if your content is out there, it's got, a, it's got, a, it's got a, a wow and a maze. It's got to draw that attention and it's got to be relevant in the timeframes that, that it needs to be relevant in. 
Now, and this is something that you can share with me. I don't know any of the statistics behind it, but I know there's a lot of uh, systems out there nowadays that when you go to um, post content, uh, for example, hearsay social, you can actually uh, theoretically go in there, or not theoretically, you can go in and say, I want this to be posted at the most optimal time because they know that most of your clients are looking at their feed at between the hours of 11 and 1 p.m., for example, on the East Coast and so on and so forth. And now all of a sudden your content is being posted at those appropriate times. That's different than just blasting content out, posting it immediately and hoping somebody happens to scroll through and see it on the feed. And that, 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 that has to be used is my point. And that's part, part of the re reason I bring it up. Um, if you're just out there posting because you want to post, then there's no, there's no process in that. You have to have a process and there's got to be a methodology to it. And you've got to be able to use those kind of uh, functionalities to your advantage. You have to know when your clients are looking at stuff. And if you know when they're looking at it, then that's when you should be posting. So finding those optimal times and using the technologies is going to dramatically increase those types of things. Mm. Yeah, I think I, I, I disagree with the idea of that it's important when you post at what time of the day, because when you actually look at how people use LinkedIn, especially when they're using it on the phone, it's like in little times here and there, they're waiting for whatever, the, the, the water for coffee to boil sure. or, or sure. they're just whatever, they have some kind of bit of time to kill and just habitually going to the feed. That can be at any time of the day. And once they are on the feed at any time of the day, what matters what will have them see it is how much engagement the post got. That is the only thing. So it only matters because it could, the, the post, by the way, could have been posted four hours ago. I regularly sure. see this. I open, I challenge you, open your newsfeed now. Look at who's content post is going to be the first one you see. It's not going to be one that has been posted two minutes ago. It's going to be one that is very popular and has been posted four hours ago. That is so it's, it's more of the trending is what you're saying then it's more of kind of what's what's trending within that that moment or how, about, how do you no it's not about trending there is no real trending it's much more about which post is is hot as and that's not a topic that is hot it's not about uh, whatever automation on LinkedIn or CRM systems or something like that it's not at all it is really about the like how successful this post is because the way LinkedIn evaluates content posts is that it's you you put the post out and in the golden hour which is one hour after you uh, posted it if your target audience is engaging with it and in this case Arthur you do have a point that you should look at when people are most likely to be on LinkedIn yeah. and for so for that it does matter but it dwarfs it is way less important than the actual content and quality of the post a case sure. in point absolutely Case in point, I have had runaway successful posts on Sunday, okay, which is sure. apparently, usually, allegedly, no, don't post on a Sunday. Total nonsense. Post at any time that you want, as long as it's during reasonable business hours. I would not do it at 3 a.m. U.S. time because Correct. it's just, there's my main target audience is there, so that's why I don't do it. However... Because I'm, I'm a little bit of a special case because I also have European audiences. So I do sometimes post at 9 a.m. my time, which is 3 a.m. East Coast. So I, I eat my words here. But it's, I would not post on a completely outlandish time. But as long as it's at a reasonable business time, what matters so much more is the quality of the post. And Correct. then you will see it in your newsfeed. So Correct. that matters. Cool. Cool. Okay. Quick last point I wanted to cover. It's a very short one is 
on the same vein, and we discussed this briefly, Arthur, is how content is a silent sales rep for you, even when all of your client acquisition is currently happening via outbound. Now, I have started to work with two new clients recently who I, who I got via outbound, and both of them mentioned in passing that they have checked out my content either before our call or in between calls. Yes. And that reminded me of the fact that our content is doing the selling for us, even if we reach out to people via outbound. Not only that, but it also makes the conversation easier and smoother. If you have a bank of solid content out there, people will be much more open and friendly to you on the sales call. And the numbers show it. My own closing rate this year is around 50%. And that's way better than it was in 2020. And that is because I have A, better content that I had on average in 2020, sure. no doubt. And B, I ask people before and in between sales calls, I sometimes do a 15 and then a 60 minute call. I ask them to watch a video that I made specifically for that purpose. And the key message is here, do content, do these kind of sales oriented top funnel activity, sorry, bottom funnel videos that you ask your prospects to watch before they get on a call with you. And do content on LinkedIn because even if it doesn't give you inbound leads, it will get you cold prospects to become much warmer to you because they resonate with your message. Correct. That's I, my main, that's my main message. I, I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think more people seek to know who you are prior to ever talking to you on the phone. Yeah. Or prior to ever having a meeting with you. So if they can spend five, 10 minutes as they're crawling into bed at night and go, Hey, I've got this call tomorrow with Michael. I, I need to figure out, you know, what, what we're going to be talking about. And they go to your website and they see these, these pieces of information, they're going to have a much better, you know, knowledge base too, to ask the appropriate questions to you and vice versa. So yes, it is, a, it is a quiet salesman and you need to make sure that they're, they're, they're definitely sending out the right message. Awesome. Great. Well, Arthur, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. Awesome. Great, Arthur. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks a lot for coming in. And yeah, uh, good, to be, good to be connected. I'm looking forward to, to seeing more from you. Absolutely. I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'm going to, um, I'm going to have my wife. She does a lot of my, my content stuff for us in terms of just producing it, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm going to have her take a, take a look at a lot of the stuff that you've got on your site as well. And, yep. you know, go see if there's any questions that she has. I might have her reach out to you directly too, if, if that's the case. Cool. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, absolutely. If there's anything I can be doing to help you, you know, promo this stuff, let me know. Awesome. Uh, I get people all the time asking me, you know, for different ideas and, you know, what they should and shouldn't be doing those kind of things. I would actually love to share that, um, that, uh, article that you did on the, uh, on the, how to be a link, a LinkedIn douchebag. Yeah. yeah. I would love I'll to share that with my, with my 30,000 plus people that I've got and, awesome. you know, see what they see, what people say about it. I'd love to just give you some extra feedback and some extra knowledge as to, awesome. you know, how that works when, when that happens. Great. Thanks a lot. I'll send it over to me. I love to do yeah. it. And I, I do appreciate the time. So let me know what else we can be working on together. Okay. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Arthur. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Bye. The State of Client Acquisition is a Content 360 production. Music by Gavin Knox Grand. To sign up for alerts and to submit written and audio questions, go to stateofclientacquisition.com. 
Unless I announce it otherwise, the live podcast is recorded on Wednesdays each week at 7 p.m. Central European time. That's 6 p.m. UK time, 1 p.m. Eastern and 10 a.m. Pacific. And you can always join by going to www.talktomichael.com. That's Michael without an E. But if you sign up at the podcast page, you'll get the link in an email each week. I'll talk to you in the next episode.